This is a HeadGum Podcast. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Your specific facts will almost always change the outcome, and you should always seek an attorney before doing anything. Literally anything. Ryan Morrison is an attorney licensed in New York, and Austin and O'Connor are just normal humans not licensed to do anything anywhere. Proceed with caution. It is a dark time, a time of need. The great games have released, come and gone in golden ages past, and now all there is are the cries of the many, the cries of gamers all over the world, lamenting the lack of quality, lamenting the Should lack not have of let you write narratives. Lamenting the lack of golden games from days of yore. The executives in their towers of marble and gold look down at the yearning masses, smelling the salt in the air, the tears of all desirous of more quality. The executives, consulting their oracles of marketing, come upon the most brilliant of ideas. Remaster the classics of old! The masses desire quality, and quality there already is, old though it may be, covered in dust and cobwebs. Why remake the wheel when you can make the wheel bigger and gild it with new features and sharper graphics? Thus the age of remasters had begun, and the masses wept with joy, of course. And a bigger wheel doesn't mean a better wheel. That's that. Uh, that's the theme of this episode. The remakes and remasters of today are not necessarily a good thing. You Although, put really big wheels on cars no, so they drive the high in the sky. You've utilized enough of your narrative voice. And I think that I, I think it's going to be uh, fun to go through what we're seeing in the industry. I, I, obviously, it's happening big time in movies, but we're going to focus on the game industry. And we're going to look at what's being remade, why it's being remade, whether it's being remade legally or not. And what we're looking forward to personally and maybe not so much. I, of course, am Ryan, video game attorney Morrison. I am Austin, robot Austin Hoffman. And I'm Ryan O'Connor. No cool nickname for him. So remasters are huge now, and they've been huge for a wee bit of a while now. Because... A wee bit of a while. <laughs> because, like I said, why remake the wheel when you can just, you know, put, like, pretty stuff on it and release it as an HD version? So in all seriousness, though, there is a really smart idea here because we all started playing these games as kids. We all have our own nostalgia and our own ideas of what our favorite games were and what we were really excited about. And these companies realize now we're all in our 30s or late 20s and we can afford to buy new stuff. We have our own money now. So why not remake that stuff that we just get excited hearing? Before we get into the legality of who's making these remakes and whether or not they're okay, because with that nostalgia also comes developers who want to remake or honor their old memories and their old favorite games, but maybe not without with the proper permission. Before we get into all that, let's just quickly run through what we're looking forward to the most that has been announced or maybe a remake we've played recently that's good. And then talk about some of the ones that I think are going just uh, absolute garbage fires. I'll start the thing that I'm most excited about and every single day I wake up to see if there's a release date yet and there never will be is the Final Fantasy VII remake. When I first got a Sony PlayStation for Christmas in whatever year it was, I remember playing Final Fantasy VII and it changed my whole opinion of what games were. It showed me what a game could be. 
that story was incredible. You were immediately sucked into it. And it was unlike any movie I'd seen. It was unlike any book I had read. It was such an incredible experience. And it's it's like heroin. I keep trying to get that hit again that I had in the first time I played it. And hopefully the remake is going to really just live up to the hype and even more, which, of course, it won't. One of the games that I've played recently, a remaster that I actually really appreciated, unlike most remasters, was the Homeworld Remastered Collection, because I would not have played Homeworld again if that had not come out, and I... And most people haven't, so what is Homeworld? So Homeworld is a real-time strategy space 3D game where you play essentially the last survivors of a planet that are going towards their fabled homeworld. They were exiled uh, like thousands of years ago, and they unearthed these spaceships, and they're like, holy crap, we used to go through the stars. And they... and they. Oh uh, man, you're adding a lot to that. That might be <laughs> in the booklet. That is not what the game is. There's are you no kidding story me? That. Are you kidding me? They maybe, have right, cutscenes? Oh, apologies. Jesus. I, only, I guess I've only played it multiplayer I, with you. I remember it as being just I, a, a multiplayer <laughs> space combat game. I am so sorry that I got... No, I love I love Homeworld so I don't. Much. Re- that's cool. I had no idea uh, it had any kind of story mode. So yeah, there you go. Has, I mean, I, yeah, I no it idea. has a long... It, it's mostly campaign. I mean, the multiplayer was really fun and cool, but the, the campaign, the music, the ambiance, the story, and, the, and like the different species that you meet crossing the stars, that... I love Homeworld. Anyway, the HD re- the, the 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 remastered edition it basically it it made the gameplay actually it made the game work because it's it's buggy as heck if you try installing the old versions on a new operating system. Actually, they they made it multiplayer work again. They didn't really add anything to the game, which is fine because I I loved that game. Uh, and playing through one and two, it did not have the the expansion to one, which was fine by me because that one had the beast, which well, is basically I'll let O'Connor zombies. Well, go first, but that's an interesting point. Like, do let's do remakes need to add something, or do you just want to see your original game done with better graphics and more smoothly uh, the, the the UI and the, the gameplay just be more smooth? Is that what you're looking for? You're looking for new stuff. But, that's but that's a great first, question. Yeah, let's hear from O'Connor first before I go into that. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to Resident Evil 2 remake because uh-huh. I'm super boring. Oh, eat crap! No, it's zombies. I'm eat terrified crap, of zombies. No, well, it's yeah. it's funny you say that because when I got Final Fantasy VII with that PlayStation, Resident Evil 2 was the other game I got, but I was not developed enough of a child to to be good at it. So I remember you you uh, first off, Leon is is my favorite hero of most of, of probably any game, and you go into that store with the shotgun, but I think that's about as far as I got for a year. Well, see, this when we were prepping this, I brought a big one about how Resident Evil, the original remake that came out for GameCube in 2002, was a huge influence of how remakes should be. It was, and you're you're asking about what you want from a remake, and I feel like the original Resident Evil remake was the definition of what I want. Not only did it give you better graphics, it gave you more, it gave it gave you more new puzzles, it gave you more. More plot. It gave you a new plot. Like More they cut plot out a, is so important. They cut out a plot from the original one for in made ninety seven, and then put it in this game. I mean, granted, it only came out on GameCube in two thousand two, so no one ever heard about it. But it was awesome. People it totally was, had GameCubes. I had a GameCube. I understand you had a GameCube, but people were PlayStation two and Xbox kids. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah, Game most people did not like have the, a GameCube. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, sorry, Super Mario Sunshine didn't bring everything in. Like, I, I didn't want to shoot a water cannon. I mean, we played it for Smash Brothers. Let's no, be but, honest. No, but yeah. more lore is, is interesting. because So Final Fantasy VII, like I said, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that remake. 
I would love to see that remake come out and really get into the Zack storyline more, really close up a lot of the plot holes that exist in the first one. And, uh, you know, they answered some of those on a PSP game that no one played because also no one owned a PSP. But it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, I would love to see those storylines fleshed out. You know, I basically would love 100 hours of side content. There's a lot of really interesting characters in Final Fantasy that barely get touched on. So flesh them out. Make this game Skyrim in the Final Fantasy VII universe. I'm fine with that. But obviously uh, keep the main story intact. And just don't Are make it the Skyrim with- remaster. <laughs> Are you fine with the fact that they're going to make an episode of content? Well, so that's that's unfortunately, I mean, I, I that's certainly not my preference, but it's the kind of thing that I've accepted is reality now. I think that everything forevermore is going to be episodic and have microtransactions and everything else. And I am against that. I don't like it, but it's reality. Because why uh, make The Hobbit book one movie when it could right. be three movies? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to ruin the game that way. I mean, Final Fantasy VII was basically three episodes. There was three very distinct discs that had entire different worlds on it. So I'm I'm fine with that. I just hope we're not looking at seven years between releases or anything like that. Uh, but you can do so much with it, and I hope they do. So I, like 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 most adults, I guess, we feel that so long as it's worth our time, it, we don't really care about the money, the cost. I mean, it's not going to be hundreds of dollars, but it's like, all right, you know, if you're going to charge me uh, like like forty bucks a pop three times for three for the three Final Fantasy ones, you you would be fine paying forty dollars a pop. If they give me triple the content, I don't want it to feel like one game they just arbitrarily chopped up. I'm happy to pay that three times if they really flesh out each part. There well, see, are here's the so thing. many small side stories in Final Fantasy that they could turn into. Hours and hours and hours of side quests. The Final Fantasy VII remake is like the Shadows of Colossus remake, right? Where they're completely remaking the game. They're not like it's not like Final Fantasy VII with just like slightly sharper, like touched up graphics. Crap, though. <laughs> what uh, Shadows of the Colossus? Yeah. I uh, I really enjoyed. I, I enjoyed most of that game, but that's because it was it was just boss fight to boss fight. What was not yeah, to like boring. about that? How do you not like Shadow of the Colossus? That's boring. Like, are you a monster? I don't it's like been, a lot of those games. Like, there's no story, story to it. But it's so good. It's good. Eh. Minimalism, when when done correctly, is mwah. It's beautiful. I think I've made it clear that I only like playing single-player games that have a great story. So I like, for example, like, I, I mean, you can laugh at that. I think this is a great story. But, like, Max Payne 3 was one of my favorite single-player games recently because that was a gr- such a well-done and well-told story. The pills and is the pain. Yeah, I mean, it's They it's make you feel story. really bad about that in 3. They <laughs> make you feel really bad about yourself. I never played 3. I played it, 1 and 2. Into a mirror. <laughs> like, he, like, him taking all those pills has taken a toll on old Max there. Yes. <laughs> Every time you were healing in the second game, yep. you were just ruining this poor guy's the life. The first one, and the second one, you find pills in the it. subway after you got shot by gangsters. And it's, oh, look, you got some more painkillers. The pills. But like, so... It's still so sad, number three, because they make it so realistic. (laughs) Well, three, three, I think, is great storytelling. But yeah, unless a game has a great story, I have no interest in it in single player, outside of a few exceptions. So, like, another remake coming out is Crash Bandicoot. And I know that's stupid that I'm excited for it, but I am. I like Crash Bandicoot. Why not? It was Naughty Dog. It it was what made Naughty Dog a good company. It's Naughty. I already love Crash Bandicoot. Why not? Yeah. It was absolutely great. I mean, I'm excited for it. And uh, it, the 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 boulder rolling episode was wonderful. I really but, did so not play are, a lot of Crash. These are the the licensed done by the same companies who made the original. These are who's making these games. What's important to look at because we I yell about it on Twitter constantly, but still 
and people will not believe this, but still every single day in my inbox at the law firm, we get people asking me how they can make a fan game, how they can make a fan game legal, or more accurately, they've already made a fan game and they want to figure out how to legally release it. The answer is you probably can't. Well, no, but, but how, how can it. I make a, a, a legal fan game? Well, seriously, let's walk through it. Instead of me just poo-pooing the, the idea entirely, let's walk through it. Let's pretend money is not an option or uh, money is not an object. Let's pretend that everything is going to be done legally the right way. Then it, it is a possibility, but although still probably unlikely. So, Austin, what's your pick an IP that you'd like to see remade? That let's say you you had any skill or intelligence and you wanted to learn how to program, uh, what would you want to work on? Let's say a good Warhammer Forty Thousand game. Boring. Fair. Fuck. No, no, very I'm fair. Kidding, I'm kidding. Actually, the Warhammer MMO is sick, and no one liked it. But it was the first one with public battle, the public quests, and it was sick. Yeah, awesome. Anyway. Oh, oh, the the Warhammer Fantasy one. Yeah, that one yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It had public. Yep. And wow, but so those. anyway, you would you the, the, the correct process here is you figure out who owns the IP, who actually, and usually let's say it's simple. Let's say it is a, is a game that you know who the IP holder is, and it's it's easy, and you can go to them and say, listen, you guys haven't touched this IP in 20 years. It, it's something you made in the 80s, and you haven't released it since. You've done nothing with it. I'm gonna make this a great game. And and the reason I'm using this as an example is because it's the most common inquiry we get. When I was a kid, I played this game. I loved it. The company that made it has abandoned it. I want to remake it. Can you get me permission? And let's say Blizzard owned it for whatever. Blizzard released the game in the 90s. We would call up Blizzard and you would say, hey, Blizzard, can this game, you, you, we know you're never going to use it again. Can these guys make a game on it? Diablo 4. That's, that's absolutely not what I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> about a game that, I'm, I'm serious though, I'm talking, it's important. To and, and, and IP, an IP that they had not used in forever. And they have no plans to, or no. Monkey Island. Tell you on the that phone. No, that's a terrible example. So, uh, an example would be a game you haven't even heard the name of because it hasn't existed since the '80s. Uh, so it's literally something abandoned, dead that no one knows exists except for this one fan who wants to remake it. He thinks he can do the franchise some justice, and and et cetera, et cetera. He's going to do something great with it. Blizzard's answer nine times out of ten, and not to pick on Blizzard, any company's answer ninety nine times out of a hundred is going to be sorry, it's not worth it. And the reason it's not worth it is because, and you'll immediately say, well, how, how not? We're going to work on it. We're going to make it profitable. We'll give them a rev share. We'll pay them a licensing fee, whatever they want. We'll even buy the IP outright. Why is this not okay? And it's because most game companies back then were not doing proper diligence or proper record keeping on their IP. So they don't even know who owns all the assets in that game. They don't know who has 100% rights to it. And if they want to sell or license it, they have to do all of that due diligence, which would be so expensive and in many cases quite literally impossible that it's just not worth it to them. Because if they license it to you and they don't own it 100% outright, then whoever owns that 1% or anything else, they can come sue not only you now, but also Blizzard. So why would Blizzard take that risk except for the most genius of ideas, which unfortunately are not normally the ones that are there? Huh. I did not know that. Wow. All right. So it's possible. But seems very, very <laughs> unlikely. So what you're saying, the more obscure and old a game is, the the less likely they would have a chance to be made. In yeah, it's, most it's, circumstances. Exactly. I mean, think about it. These these companies we look at as mega giants now, like a Blizzard. They didn't used to be. They used to be a small team that was making a couple random games, and all of a sudden, bam, Warcraft hits, and they're they're a mega giant now. But before that, it was some guys in a room who didn't sign contracts and didn't have the proper stuff together. 
And again, I don't know about Blizzard's history. I'm not picking on them here. I'm just using it as an arbitrary example. But that was the reality of the entire game industry. Intellectual property was, for the most part, ignored. You can go look at the indie game scene now. Unfortunately, if you go to most indie game dev teams, you'll see that they're not signing contracts, or at least they're not signing the right ones. They don't know who actually owns all the IP. They don't know if they're a partnership where, where everybody's sharing the IP in, in, in even splits or if there's a contractor and an owner. Uh, there's a ton of lawsuits about it every time a game blows up because no one's doing the, the right stuff up front. Well, that was the whole game industry back then. And it's not worth it to them to risk those lawsuits or risk the, the nonsense that is involved with doing the proper due diligence. And how many small gaming companies are purchased by larger gaming companies and then eventually shut down uh, th and they can have intellectual property ea is famous for purchasing companies which then later get closed uh did does the larger company even guaranteed have access to the intellectual property of the smaller one well it's all part of that purchase and it's again if, if you're buying a small company and that small company doesn't actually own all their their ip that they're working with because they have poor contracts or whatever, it's possible that the big company's not buying what they think they are. It's it's possible that junior company that got bought out lied and said, yeah, we own everything, and they didn't. Uh, it's up to the due diligence of the bigger company. But again, that's one thing if they're buying a company for one IP, and they don't care if all the due diligence is done for those smaller IPs. Then Joe Schmuck comes out of nowhere and says, I want to make a game out of one of those smaller IPs. The bigger company who did the due diligence for the IP they wanted but ignored all the others is going to say, sorry, we didn't check on that one. That one's dead forever now. Now, like, wh what would happen if it happened in reverse? Like, say somebody made a, a fan game. Like, say, in this example, somebody did so like World of Warcraft stuff, and they're like, oh, wow, you know what? I can make, like a, like, a sweet World of Warcraft expansion. And say they actually somehow had the funding to do it, or they got crowdfunding. And then, of course, Blizzard swoops in, shuts them down. But what happens if they end up taking some of those ideas? Would that person be able to then sue the company saying, well, you know what? I, even though what I was doing was, was illegal and incorrect, you can't take my ideas from me. So that's super interesting. And, and I didn't know where you were going at first. So you brought it around into like the exact question that is it that is such an interesting part of how IP law works. So first and foremost, if I, let's say I draw a picture of Mickey Mouse. I have copyright on that picture. I have the copyright, not Disney. I have the copyright on my picture of Mickey Mouse, but it is infringing Disney's copyright. So what that means is I can stop you from using my Mickey Mouse picture. Disney can stop me from using it anywhere, but Disney cannot use my Mickey Mouse picture. So Disney, even though I infringed on their copyright and made something, it does not mean that they own it. It just means they can stop me from using it. They can they can sue me for damages. They can uh, DMCA takedown. They can do whatever they want. What's interesting, though, is ideas are not the same thing. So if you make a World of Warcraft expansion and you do all this amazing stuff and you come up with this amazing idea that's going to revolutionize the way MMOs are played, chances are Blizzard can steal that. Because an idea is not protectable at all under the law. Oh, because you, it's its not like they're stealing like the code. It's just you had like written down in a notebook somewhere like, oh, this would be awesome. This, you know, like this mechanics idea. Yep. So the art and the, the code and things like that, that's all under copyright. Your brand name. So if you come up with a cool name for your expansion, if uh, whatever it might be, that's going to be trademarked and they can't steal that. Uh, and then if you come up with, with something revolutionary enough to become a patent, which is a new invention, let's say, just to really boil it down to the basics, 
but also super hard to do in software right now under the current the current case law. Uh, one of those things they couldn't steal. But if you just have a good idea or a good gameplay mechanic, which is not protectable, gameplay mechanics are not protectable. They can't. They can steal that. And we see that a lot, where someone comes out with a really cool idea on the App Store, but someone else comes out and does it better, and they win. That's just the long and short of it. They win. I, I mean, I kind of would hope that game mechanics are not protectable, because that means that, like, if somebody had uh, armor class, then nobody else could use something like armor class. Yeah, I mean, but it, it goes even further than that. You, it's not even that you, you're allowed to use something like armor class. You can use armor class. And it gets to the point where maybe the uh, actual skill names or types of gameplay are trademarked and that actual verbiage is protected. But the mechanics underneath it, it's, it's near impossible for those to be protected. Now, there are exceptions. There are patents in games, although they are very rare. The problem with patents in games is I tell most of my developers to treat them like lightning. Uh, it sucks if you get struck by it. It's life ruining, but it's impossible to prepare for outside of doing the obvious stuff like don't stand next to a metal pole and don't follow this, the, the couple of patents that are very obvious in game dev. Uh, a quick example is the uh, I forget the game, but you would the longer you play the game, you would become more uh, psychotic, basically. And the, the screen would shake and the controller would shake and everything would get blurry. Eternal darkness and, or something like that. I, I, yeah. Yes. I think, I think it's exactly. Eternal darkness. Yeah, I think it's Eternal Darkness, and uh, but whatever it is, that that is patented. It so is that's Eternal why Darkness. you don't see anything like that anymore. Oh, it is, really? That is a patented mechanic. Mother. So that mechanic itself is patented. There are things like that. Uh, you you also notice that your Apple, if you have an iPhone, you notice that that swipe to right to open is no longer there. Now you push a button to go to your home screen. That wasn't a design change by Apple, as far as I'm aware. Again, I I'm not at Apple's inner table, but I know that they were in a fight about the swipe to right patent that exists. I don't know who it well, was. Sam, I mean, sw- I mean I Samsung has, uh, has swiped to unlock, so I don't know. Well, there was a patent Not for a the swipe to unlock. And uh, it's I don't think it was Samsung, but I don't remember, to be honest. And mm. it doesn't matter. Uh, I bet just, you whoever invented uh, bullet time is probably kicking themselves in video games. Well, but not again, not everything was patented, able to be patented. Uh, there's a there's a Supreme Court case, Alice, which is going to get weakened and neutered or reversed in some capacity. It might already have been. I'm not a patent attorney. We, we use an outside counsel, Howard Eichenblatt, who's amazing. But uh, our, our name dropper, the, as far as I understand patents, uh, they're incredibly weak and near impossible to get in software right now. All right. Well, that's, that's that sounds good then, because it would just screw over new developers that want to use ideas. Agreed with you. I think that patents are pretty bad universally. I think that they are they hurt medicine. They hurt technology. They hurt a lot of stuff. I understand the idea behind them. Because getting a patent is very profitable, and the only reason a lot of uh, research teams spend all the money they do on research is to get a patent. And they wouldn't, we wouldn't have a lot of the cures we have without patents and without making them so profitable. But on the flip side, once we have a cure, those cures rarely get better or more efficient until that patent costly. runs. <laughs> uh, well, right. And the second that patent lapses, 20 years, so they last for 20 years. And the second that happens, that's when we see all the generic versions of the drug come on the market and everything becomes much cheaper. Uh, that's why when you go to the pharmacy and ask for a generic, you can do that basically 20 years after a medicine has been discovered. Uh, those first 20 years, it sucks. I hope you have insurance. Oh, wow. The, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's why I can't it. get Crohn's medicine for uh, for a cheap price. You you can soon, hopefully. I mean, it's, it's disgusting how it works, but that's the American way. 
Uh, and it's only getting worse as we record this. Trump care is being uh, rolled out. And if you're a Republican, you're a bad person. All right, person. all right, all right. Anyway. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. This summer, it's the perfect time to create your own website. You can make a splash for your business. With Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website to showcase your work. You can sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or even online businesses, because it's online, on the internet. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, analytics that help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, 24-7 award-winning customer support and nothing to patch or upgrade ever you get free and secure hosting with squarespace people that use squarespace are people like jewelry designers clothing designers instructors record labels gyms and studios real estate brokers and gamers check out squarespace at squarespace.com register a domain name start your free website or online store trial when you're ready to launch use offer code robot to save 10 percent. that's offer code robot we're brought to you by Penn State World Campus. It allows you to earn your Penn State degree online from anywhere in the world. Getting more info is easy. Visit worldcampusinfo.com. Penn State World Campus has admissions counselors and coaches available to help you decide if Penn State World Campus is the best fit for you. Penn State World Campus's convenient, flexible online format is a great option if you're a busy working adult or want to set your own pace to earn your degree. Remember, getting more info is easy. Visit worldcampusinfo.com. Penn State World Campus is ranked in the top 10 online graduate programs in business, education, engineering, and technology by U.S. News and World Report. Learn how Penn State World Campus can help you reach your educational goals by visiting worldcampusinfo.com. Penn State World Campus, a world of possibilities online. That brings us back the other way, though, where as much as patents are weak in game dev, copyrights and trademarks are as strong as ever and stronger than you would think. The two most misused terms in game dev are fair use and parody. First off, your game's not a parody, almost certainly not a parody, and, and it's also almost certainly not fair use. Fair use and parody are both defenses. They're not rights. You don't just get to say my game is fair use. I don't get to say it as a lawyer. No one gets to say your game is fair use other than a judge. And for a judge to say your game is fair use, it's probably going to cost you fifty dollars to $100,000 at a reasonably priced law firm. It's probably even more than that at another law firm. And you have to really be confident to spend a life-ruining amount of money for someone to say, okay, cool, keep making your fan game. Was that really worth hundred grand? Probably not. So what I tell all our indie developers, it might be unfortunate, you can kick and scream about it all you want, but it's the truth, you can't afford fair use. That cannot be something you rely on. The EFF's not going to save everybody. I'm not going to save everybody. It's impossible. And we do all we can, we help all the indies we can, but you're crazy if you're relying on fair use. But they're fine if they don't charge for it, right? No, and that's also something that people don't realize. I know you're joking, Austin, but it's important. Like, the, the idea that oh, well, my game's free, so I'm fine. They don't even they think that's above even fair use. I, I haven't charged a dollar, so they can't sue me. That's not true. If you release... So there was that KOTOR remake everyone was talking about. I have no idea if they're still working on it. I hope they're not. But I, I, you know, I dislike that dev team in, in a lot of ways because they've put up a website saying, is this legal? And then yes, and this whole explanation of how it was okay. And it was just complete, utter bullshit. None of it was accurate. It was teaching devs a bad thing, and it's potentially going to ruin people's lives. 
And I, you know, that really infuriates me when people just spout bad law on the Internet. But regardless, let's say that game came out and let's say they made a KOTOR remake that was amazing and everybody wanted it. Even if that game was free, it prevents the actual KOTOR team from releasing a KOTOR remake. And that's a ton of damages. That's a life ruining amount of damages. And you don't even need to prove those damages. Every single instance of copyright infringement is $150,000 in damages, in statutory damages Jesus. per instance. So if you go to a website, let's say KOTOR's website, every single asset that you've stolen from KOTOR is $150,000. So you don't even need to scroll down on the website before you're in tens of millions of dollars in damages. Well, what if they didn't steal the assets? They made their own. That's exactly the same thing. So the <laughs> test for copyright is substantially similar. And when you're remaking something, if you're making something substantially similar, even if it's better graphics, basically, if I look at yours and see theirs, you're screwed. I think I think a really good analogy that we've that we've used before has been uh, making like a Chewbacca doll. If you make a, a crappy little Chewbacca doll, Disney can screw you because they're because people might think like, oh, wow, that's a that's a Disney like Chewbacca doll and it's a piece of crap. And you hurt the company's image. Yep. So uh, copyright protection is there to protect the artists for the most part. Trademarks are there to protect the consumer. It's so when I buy something with a Star Wars tag on it, I know I'm getting something of Disney quality. I know I'm getting something that is of the Star Wars brand. It's an official item. If I buy something with a Star Wars tag on it and it's something that you made on Etsy that's terrible, then Disney gets hurt by that because I no longer can trust the Star Wars brand. Wow, I bet uh, Etsy is just full of that stuff, too. Oh, I mean, yeah, Etsy is a is a IP attorney's wet dream. It's just the problem is it's usually not worth the company's time or money to go after those people because they sell, you know, two of whatever they're selling and then they disappear. But once those shops start to do well or once those Etsy, Etsy stops start to grow or they open their own store, that's when they get taken down left and right. I mean, we shut down Etsy stores every single day. Really? That's, that's, Thanks a lot. My wife yeah. thanks you. Yeah, well, that's I mean, listen, I, I tell her to I be more original. I don't own a T-shirt that's not infringing. I mean, I, I, I wear a Spider-Man from – I wear a shirt that says Queens on it with the Spider-Man logo. It's a that was man Yeah, that was made by some artist somewhere randomly. It's definitely not licensed, and that's true of most of my clothes. And I don't care. I mean, it's I, I don't have to practice what I preach, but the artists are in danger. So I support them to help them pay for their legal fees. So I, even those shirts on those websites, because I mean, like Austin, oh you man, and I so all many. shop on those like ripped and uh, and like shirt punch and all that jazz. So every single one of those is infringement, and they still can get away with it. Like every single one of those is infringement, and the problem is it's whack-a-mole. You shut down one of those t-shirt companies, and another one pops up. Uh, what something like Redbubble does, which is still up, and they're they're they, you know they're hugely popular. They're smart. They don't actually own any of those shirts. They link to other sites from their store. And that way, if they get a DMCA takedown, they just shut down those sublet stores and they say, sorry, we're like YouTube. We didn't know that was there. We can't possibly police all our own shirts, even though every shirt on Redbubble is infringing. Yeah, but the shirt quality is kind of crap, so I don't really go there anyway. I have to agree. The Redbubble, it does have – and they're always the most expensive. Yes. Do you want to like, spend $30? Right, we to, we're, we're not yeah. here to, to help you find an infringing <laughs> shirt store or help pick on one. But Definitely whatever, don't use Day of the Shirt. Stop. The point of the 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 point of the uh, the the exercise here is that yes, all of that stuff is infringing. Fan art is just as illegal as fan games, and it's just usually not gone after because the companies don't care because they they know not enough people are buying it. It you know no one's going to your your uh, 
your website for whatever until you see phenomenons happen. You when Overwatch released, you saw Overwatch porn explode. And all of a sudden Blizzard was like, well, we have to do something here. And they started shutting down all the Overwatch porn fan sites. And they did. And I, I can't tell you how many people emailed us and said, hey, help, I'm trying to make this image of Mercy getting down on Widowmaker. Can you uh, help me keep this up? <laughs> uh, no, sorry, <laughs> Help me keep not. this up, I get it. <laughs> it's not fair use. But if we can't rely on fan games to make good versions because they're not legal, what about all those crappy remakes that, that, uh, that companies have been putting out? I mean, they put out a Dungeon Keeper mobile game, which is, by the way, Oh, that awful. was your favorite game, wasn't it? I... I loved. I bought Dungeon Keeper two four times. By the way, I bought it because I kept losing it as a kid. Uh, yeah, that's so, that's not something to brag. About. That doesn't mean you like it. That just means that does mean that, me, that means I played it and then I stopped playing it. I lost the disc and then I wanted to play it again and I didn't have the disc, so I bought it again four times, three times. Yeah, I, but, well, but again, that just that doesn't mean you like it more than your other games. It just means you you were a, a sad, irresponsible child. Bullfrog Productions made Dungeon Keeper one and Dungeon Keeper two, and then what happened to them? Oh right. They got bought by EA, and what happened? Um, oh, they closed. Uh, and Peter, I mean, Peter Molyneux ended up going and doing a bunch of other stuff anyway. Who's Peter Molyneux, Austin? Fable. Fable oh, yeah. Fable is a terrible game. Yeah, I'm really glad they remade that giant waste of time. Fable was the second most disappointing game ever next to Spore. Oh, considering the hype, yes. Uh, Who made I've... Spore, though? Ha, ha, ha. Was it was it Peter Honeydew? I think it was Peter Honeydew. The Dungeon Keeper mobile game was a huge cash grab. It was basically like Farmville. And I, you know what? I honestly watched the trailer for it and I read the reviews. I didn't even download it because it was. Uh, but why, Austin? It was free. Because it was abhorrent and I didn't want it to ruin my memories of Dungeon Keeper. But it's almost like they're and it had nothing to do with Dungeon Keeper too. I, like Dungeon Keeper. Well, was hold a- on. If it's Farmville was a mega success, and I know. All of us in this circle hate Farmville, but the game was fun and addicting, and plenty of people played it. Was this a fun and addicting game, or considering was this it like never a... took off like Farmville, I guess not. But... So what was? I mean, what? Explain the game. Well, so originally, and Austin, please feel free to chime in. The original one was around that you were a dungeon overlord, and that you were supposed to have heroes come to your dungeon, and you were building traps and and monsters, and the hero would come in. And the point of the game. Ha-ha! Would be the would be to kill the hero. Yes. That would prove that you are you are the master dungeon keeper. Like you were the man. You were yeah. the overlord. Yeah, you were so, the ever seeing, all seeing hand and eye that controlled and moved imps and minions. Yeah, so this was what made Austin buy the game eighty four times is is this. And then they put out a sequel, which was just oh, apparently uh, I'm gonna so give me, don't get me wrong, is is just good. It was it was the original game, but better. Yep. It was awesome. And then they shut down what when was that one made like 97 99 and then they re-release it and, and as an aside i think that a, a reboot needs time to marinate and be good and so they gave it time and in 2014 they re-released it under electronic arts as not Dungeon keeper the mobile game and it was free to play which doesn't necessarily mean it's bad but it was free to play and they turned this into a tower defense game which was it is different it's a different style game I like tower defense games. I like tower defense games when they're in Warcraft Three. I don't like them when it's done when it has a Dungeon Keeper name on it, and it's nothing to do with the original Dungeon Keeper gameplay. Why? What do you mean why? Well, because it was nothing that I loved about it. It was you. You didn't. You didn't like uh, control and like move and attract D, uh, like like your little minions and yeah, but go it's, kill so it's the- a spinoff. 
It was literally. But it's not a spinoff. It's called the same thing. It's like if you played it, made a game called Star Wars: A New Hope. But it's like, hey, but you're not going to really play as Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader. Well, unless you pay like an extra. What if you play as Dash Rendar? Then it's then it's called Shadows of the Empire or Shadows over the Empire. Still a Star Wars game before there was a good Luke Skywalker game. But you was marketed as Star Wars. In this example, it's marketed as Star Wars: A New Hope, and you end up playing like just a Jawa. All right, I I get it. I get it. Bilbo Farquad in the corner of the Mos Eisley Cantina. Yeah, not all remakes are like that though. There's a lot of gold out there on mobile. For example, my other favorite childhood game came out uh, very recently. Sega just released like all of their games on mobile. I recommend you go get them. Uh, they're free, or you can pay money to play them with an ad. And I just got Comic Zone. Did you guys play oh Comic Zone? Oh my god, I remember Comic Zone. Yeah, you jump between comic pages. Yeah, it was I awesome. Just... So you, you're the artist of a comic book, and you have your pet rat, and then you and your pet rat get sucked into your comic book by the bad guy in your comic book, and you have to work with the good guys in your comic book versus the bad guys, and it's awesome. Wait, were you like a, a super cool comic book artist that had like like glasses and a hat yeah, and like a backwards hat? And he had that, that uh, Kurt Cobain side buzz ponytail. Yup, and the, the oh. leather jacket and the jean shorts Oh, he off. was dope. That dude and then he was would turn into a superhero like halfway through. Oh man, I re- that game was great. I remember that. The only thing I I remember about that game is that if you press the down button four times in a row, the character farts. Nope, I did not <laughs> even know that. I swear that's a real thing. The it's controls, like press... yeah, the controls on mobile are are cancer. It's it's I don't know. You could hit the down button four times. It's it's so <laughs> terrible. But once you get the hang of it, it's playable, and the nostalgia is so there. It's, did they, it's uh, such a fun game. Did they remake Seven Up? Or Seven Up Man, whatever that game Maybe. was. Maybe I, I honestly don't know. I mean, so it, cool spot. Get cool it right, spot. You Thank you. Pleb. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. Also. But yeah, seriously, go go check it out. I recommend uh, seeing what what's out there. Listen, some uh, mobile lot, games. Lot of cool titles. Some mobile games. Morrison, I do need to ask you one thing. Is uh, and this is serious. Is is there a legal definition of what a remake is? So. No, uh, a remake is basically uh, there is no difference between a remake and a derivative work. It's it unless it's a true reproduction. So copyright has reproductions and it also has derivative works. Reproduction is a one for one copy. And that's not what these remakes are. These remakes are derivative works where it's going to be uh, something is new about it. They're going to add better graphics. They're going to add better story. They're going to add better gameplay, whatever. It's derivative work. But. When I look at it, I see the original, and then it's substantially similar still. It's a clear derivative work, and bam, that that's it. All right, so the Baldur's Gate Enhanced Editions are derivative works. Yes. And what was the other one? Okay. But what about, like, uh, like when they put out, like, Game of the Year Edition or, like, Ultimate Edition? Does that just like, include, like, the DLCs or something? Well, well yeah, because, like, uh, like um, Injustice... It, it's not it, like they, they put out the uh, oh, definitive edition or ultimate injustice where it's like it, it's not giving you anything more than new characters and maybe a couple new stages. But it's not really a sequel. Is that considered a remake or is that derivative, what that then, be considered? Right? Yeah, I mean, well, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, under the law, that would probably be a derivative work still. But it, it doesn't matter because they own all that IP. It What matters is when you make it, it doesn't matter if it's a derivative work or, or a reproduction. Both you're not allowed to do. But what I tell all my creators is when they come to me about these fan games is, you know, you're a creator. Be creative. You have a talent. I don't. Go out there and make something awesome. If you're inspired by Star Wars, awesome. But be inspired by it and make something new. 
Okay, but I mean, there's a lot of people out there, which means that there's a lot of good ideas. Is really the only way to make something about Star Wars in this example to have to like go through the process of of contacting them and and oh, don't getting bother. a job. They're never with... going to say okay. Star I mean, Wars. It's... I can't imagine they're going to say anything, especially because it's Disney. They're not going to give you probably not even a nod at you. Yeah, they're not going to. That's not how you're going to get hired. If you want to put Star Wars stuff in your portfolio and then go apply to Disney, that's fine. I mean, it's fine in, in a general sense you know that's that's not you uh distributing anything that's not you doing anything with it you're not showing anyone don't put it on your online portfolio just your private stuff fine you want to go apply to a job with that you'll probably be fine if you want to go the other way though you're you're screwed yeah so really there's no way so like what if i like thought of a new overwatch character and i really wanted them included and maybe it's just for like quote unquote for love of the game like what if i just wanted that character in there what could i do with you as my attorney to to get their attention besides because like i can't just what if i only have this one character and i'm just joe schmo guy who makes a, a podcast as my job like what if i want to to show them this but it's a really good idea but i'm not necessarily a creator of anything else like what you, could i you, do well you can't do anything unfortunately we have better connections than you and we can usually get the ear of these publishers and have a conversation about it usually if you're trying to license or buy an ip or make your own fan game if you're trying to make a character and say, hey, Overwatch team, look at how cool this character is. Don't you want it? I mean, don't waste your money. They're, they're not going to look at you most most likely. And what I would say to do, despite me wanting your, your sweet, sweet, sweet money, is go make your own first-person shooter. If you came up with a character that's fun and unique and you think is going to stand out to them, go make your own game. It just seems like that, that, that that's counterintuitive because what if you're an idea person but not necessarily have any technical expertise whatsoever yeah i mean if you're coming in with just an idea even more so they're not going to look at it uh because they know that if they're going to uh, literally they're if you send in an idea submission usually they'll send you back a, a piece of paper that says thank you for the submission we did not look at this we did not read it at all and we're not going to and the reason they do that is so if they come out with a character that's like yours later you don't sue them for stealing your idea although you probably still will <laughs> Fair. It just. I. I don't know. I. I feel like if I could. I. I uh, maybe I should just. Well, no. It's just the, watch and start giving them ideas for support heroes because we desperately need one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the problem is is that these these IPs just get so popular that people have you know create they, they're fans of it so they make all this content for it and then they want to use that content that they made for it and they can't. I mean, like like Star Wars. How much freaking fan fiction and all that kind of stuff and and fan art are there of Star Wars things? Although I, I, Star Wars remakes, I am quite happy about because like they re, they 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 remastered or they re, they re-released uh, X-wing vs. Tie Fighter, and I would never have played that game again, it's sort so of like good. Homeworld, if they hadn't re-released it on Steam. And guess what? Oh, it's on sale actually right now. <laughs> X-wing vs. Tie Fighter, Balance of Power, those campaigns, that stuff was so cool and so fun. Although now I don't think it works with joysticks because I don't know I don't know if the remake works with with joysticks. I don't even have a joystick anymore. Somebody but like you said, Austin, you just touched on fan fiction. The, the one thing that bothers me is it seems like – and I, maybe I'm just so blind to this because I don't read fan fiction. Sorry, I just don't have that kind of time. But it seems like the fan fiction people just get a kind of a pass. Like, How pompous. Mr. King O'Connor doesn't have time to read your fan I don't theory. read my erotic fan I'm fiction sorry, of Star well, yeah, Wars exactly. where Chewbacca you hooks up a Princess who Leia. I am. No, but like they get to write it and, and then other people read it and they just get a genuine sense of joy. And maybe I'm being like – crazy optimistic about this but they they I can share that with each 
each other. I think and, that's the, the reason most of them do it. I think that, that there's a big mix of like, yes, some people do it just because they like the, the, the genre. I think a lot of others actually do it because they want to be like the next George Lucas and they think this is the way. Why do fan fiction people get a pass, but game developers necessarily don't? And Well, it, the reason for that is no one's reading your fan fiction. Yeah. No one cares about your website. Uh, if they did, if you come out with a book that starts to blow up, they're going to send you a cease and desist and sue you for damages and everything else. All this stuff is retroactive, too. So if you get caught later after you're successful, they're still going to come after you and your life's going to suck. So so if you sit in obscurity and then all of a sudden you're like, yes, I got 500,000 viewers this week and I don't know why. And it's awesome. And life is great. As soon as you're uh, coming down from your, your fist bump jump in the air, you're going to land into a lawsuit. OK, so what you're telling us is to just go out there and make something that almost is like it. But not really. Make original stuff. They're, they're, they're no, saying, I'm saying, yeah, make something different. Yeah, like like you said, it could be inspired by Star Wars. It could be inspired by Star Trek because, of course, you'd want to be inspired by Star Trek because it's so great. But uh, eh. <laughs> Star Trek's terrible. What if I want to make a Mass Effect game that isn't hot garbage, though? What if I just genuinely care about Mass Write Effect? Write your own sci-fi. You don't. Write your own sci-fi. It doesn't matter if you're a fan. I'm sorry you can't sci-fi. put Garrus in your personal works. But That's what right. if I just... God damn it, I just want Garrus to have an ending and not have things turn into... Hey, hey, I didn't play the new game yet. Leave it alone. I'm not talking about the new game. That one's set like a bajillion years in the future, and it also got hot garbage ratings. I'm talking about what if I just don't want the Mass Effect 3 ending to happen, and I want to live in my fantasy world and create a world where Garrus is still around and not everybody's half robot because that ending was a giant dumpster fire. I have two words Uh, for you, fan fiction. First off, yeah. (laughs) I guess I I gotta get off my my, uh, pompous ivory tower and uh, come down to the world of fan fiction and just live in a fantasy world. How it should have happened by Ryan O'Connor. And and my neighbors must hate me because I'm just screaming through very thin walls about video games and copyright nonsense. Uh, And Garrus took Ryan O'Connor's shepherd character in his arms... And they I was just about to scream, it's not that bad. And yeah, all your fan fiction has to end with you getting pregnant from Garrus, or it's not real fan fiction. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> Why can't the, I just have a platonic friendship with Garrus? Sorry, why, that's why, not why how make, fan fiction why, works. Why make it, I all fan fiction ends in pregnancy. It, it's uh, pregnant, <laughs> and then pregnant eroticism. That's right. And diaper fetishes and things like that. Oh, God. Uh, we... All right. Uh, we're actually doing an ERP episode in the future, and it's it's going to be... Uh, we're actually going to bring on the head of an ERP guild in World of Warcraft and talk about oh all of this. Ryan, what is stuff. ERP? Exotic role-playing. I actually Did you say exotic or you say exotic? erotic? Oh, is it erotic? Yeah. So does that mean I get to role-play as like a, like a really spicy snake? Since oh, we're going to get into exotic. it. But that'll, that'll do it. Your one last little tidbit of advice is look at Jason from Friday the 13th and Mike Myers from Halloween. They're both serial killers. They both wear white masks. They both kill everyone except the virgins. Etc. 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 They have a lot of similarities, but you don't look at one and see the other. They are different enough, and one of the creators of one of those could have been inspired by the other, and that's fine because they're not the same thing. So be inspired all you want, but use that magical muse to go create something beautiful yourself. If we're talking about remakes that we love, there's nothing else that holds a special place in my heart besides Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, because it introduced me to my my one love, Akuma. Even Your though one love really, is Dan. Don't even lie. I All right, let's be honest. I do love Dan. But there's only one master of the Setsui no Hado, and that's Akuma. What's and Dan's tiny little Hadouken called? 
It's still called a Hadouken. <laughs> it's just, it's just tiny, tiny and hilarious. But, I mean, granted, the Street Fighter franchise is the worst in, in remakes, is that there's been eight Super Street Fighter 2s. Or, excuse me, su- uh, just regular Street Fighter 2s. There's been eight, and the most recent one came out is in 2017. True? Yes. How? What? How does that work? <laughs> because people love it. But Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is like the definition of the game that's been around forever. It came out in 94, and it's being played still. Still, that's because all the new ones are hot garbage. I have cousins younger than Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, and this one's still being played competitively. Wow, that's that is also this game. This game gave me Cammy, and and also the guy who's not Bruce Lee, Fei Long. I mean, everybody, he's just (laughs) but he is Bruce Lee, but he's not Bruce Lee. They also had not Bruce Lee in uh, in what's it called, Mortal Kombat, right? I yeah, well, that was Liu Kang, but he was the main character. Not Bruce Lee. Arguably uh, the character. Uh, what I love that got remastered, uh, Baldur's Gate 1, 2, and Icewind Dale all became uh, the Enhanced Editions. Oh, and they made a Planescape Torment Enhanced Edition that I haven't played yet uh, because I probably will never get around to playing it because those games are so freaking long and I don't have all the time in the world anymore. Uh, but anyway, like Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, uh, they essentially added, they refined them because over time for Baldur's Gate, they had mods where people would like uh, where people would make the game more fluid and they would make the game more uh, HD. You'd be able to zoom in and be able to uh, have more detail. They basically uh, they built have those... that setting where it, where it sets it to you know fifth edition and not an edition that's almost as old as me because it's ancient and decrepit and blocky as crap. No, it's still AD and D. It's still second edition Dungeons and Dragons because you're a silly man and that yeah, is a great A-D&D set of rules. The only A-D&D. thing that's that's really weird about it is Thaco to hit armor class zero. Uh, but anyway, they added like some NPCs which were hit and miss. They added some quests, but they built in all those fixes that people had slowly made mods for over time. Uh, oh my god, I wish they made an Arcanum enhanced, like a remake for Arcanum. I love that game, but that game is such a pain in the ass to play. Anyway. They're a pain in the ass to listen they to also, <laughs> crappy AD&D. They also made multiplayer easier. Not, not, still not perfect. Apparently it still can't make multiplayer perfect with that game. Whatever you transition from area to area, it still might crash for you. But, uh, but they definitely, they enhanced the crap out of it. Great. Thank you for enhancing this podcast with your boring stories. That'll do it this week. Follow the show on Twitter at robot underscore Congress. Follow me at Mr. Ryan Morrison. Follow me at Robot Austin. And don't follow me. I'm too busy reading a lot of fan fiction. Uh, And he's going to be really busy when he gets all those fan drawings of himself. Or fan fiction of myself. Erotic fan fiction. Get O'Connor pregnant in fan fiction. (laughs) Please make sure you rate and subscribe us on Tinder. I mean iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, guys. Everyone stop talking. Get it! That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>